The Voice America Business Channel is brought to you by Intercall, the worldwide conferencing leader. Check out easy and reliable conferencing solutions at www.intercall.com forward slash radio. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good morning, and thank you for joining host Cheryl Esposito for an intriguing hour of Leading Conversations. Each week, Cheryl brings together big thinkers to the Voice America Business Channel. Now here's your host, Cheryl Esposito. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito. Today we have a special guest, Dr. Sue Mortar. She's internationally recognized as an authority on bridging science, spirit, and human possibility. I love that. She founded the Mortar Institute and the Mortar Health Center, and this is a multi-physician wellness center that focuses on teaching people how to tap into a vital healing force of the body, mind, and spirit in, in a natural way. Sue is uh, a brilliant speaker. I have had the opportunity to be in front of her a couple of times. I've even had the opportunity to receive some treatment from her, which was quite magical. Sue, welcome to the show. Thank you. It is a great pleasure to be here. It's great to have you here. So where are you today? Today I am in Indianapolis, Indiana. I have a um, a home there that I basically uh, land in to change suitcases and get my mail and that type of thing. I travel quite a bit teaching and training and and doing a variety of work out in the world. So uh, Home Sweet Home is uh, where I am today. Oh, that must feel good. I know that each time I see you, I know you have a huge travel schedule, and each time I see you, I'm always amazed at how relaxed and present and you don't have any of that travel-weary look that a lot of road warriors have. My imagination tells me that's because you practice what you preach, but we want to know what these secrets are. Let's begin by learning a bit about your background and share with our listeners, um, you know, why this whole issue of bridging science, spirit, and human possibility really matters to you. Why did this start? Mm. Well, I was trained as a scientist in, in school to uh, in work in the healthcare uh, environment. And, and as a doctor, of course, everything has to be validated and scientificated and, and repeatable and reproducible and so forth. And it utilizes a particular area of our brain, which is very helpful when it comes to functioning in the world, of course, and it also uh, taps into using uh, the, the intellect in a particular way that serves us, and it also is not quite as helpful as it might be uh, when we find ourselves wrestling with decision-making processes and, and uh, trying to navigate through life in the ways that we do. And in working with patients over the last 25 years, I've recognized that when someone is sick, or when someone is stressed, when someone is trying to make a decision in their lives, even if it's not affecting their, their physical health, 
it uh, is stressing them oftentimes because they're trying to make decisions or they're wrestling with something on an intellectual level. And ultimately, there is much more to us than just our minds. And so it led me into a deeper inquiry, even than the one I was raised with, into what is it that causes people to be stressed? What is it that causes people to get sick? And how can we reverse that and and work on the front side of the model and not have to get sick or get stressed in order to figure out what we're doing wrong so that we can then determine what to do differently so that we can lead our lives in a, in a way that has outcomes that we desire. And so to move to the, the front side of that is to operate in a way that we're, we're blending more than just our minds, but we're taking into account our gut feelings and our heartfelt desires and our personal passions and allowing all of that to work together to, to culminate in what quantum science is, is now so eloquently revealing to us that, that we are more than we think. We're more than we can think. And when we can access the other energies of who we are, the rest of who we are, we begin to make sustainable decisions. We begin to build businesses and build relationships and build lifestyles that, that actually lead us in the direction that we're intended to go not necessarily just the ones that we think are smart or that we think we should do because the guy next to us, our competitor, our neighbor, whomever, uh, has done and it seems to have worked for them. It may, it may not be our authentic path, and so therefore it might not work as well for us. So it's all about bringing our whole self to the picture, uh, regardless of the topic, regardless if it's making a decision for a team or making a decision for our own uh, personal life process that there's, there are more ingredients to bring to the recipe if we truly want to to live a holistic life. Well, you know, and it's so common to hear that when an individual gets um, moves into some health crisis, um, you know, whether it's cancer or heart disease or you know, you name it, they suddenly have the willpower to change their lifestyle to change, you know, what they eat, to change how they take care of themselves, to change how they view the world. And, and it's a very common story. And, you know, it does make me wonder, what does it take to have that same motivation to do it at the front end, as you say? Yes, yeah. Well, what is happening there is that we are focusing the mind field in a moment of crisis. When someone hands a diagnosis to us or, or hands a, 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 uh, a pink slip to us or, right. or hands us you know, some indication that life, it, we're at a choice point and, and life could go to the left or to the right here depending on how I respond. What's happening is we're focusing up our mind. We're focusing up our attention. We're, we're becoming more present in the present moment than we have been just a moment ago. And it is really cultivating that ability to focus or uh, even more holistically to cultivate our presence, our ability to remain in the present moment actually requires a great deal of focus. It's just a different kind of focus than we're used to utilizing in this stimulus response world that we've pretty much allowed ourselves to operate in on um, referencing our little analogy here, the backside of the model. When when you live on the backside of the model, you basically wait for things to happen, and then you come up with the best response to right. those things. And it doesn't. Right. We can come up with brilliant responses, but they're not necessarily the most creative approach to life. So I would say, you know, what I have focused on personally, and 
in my life experience is really it's about focusing my intention, focusing my mind, focusing my ability to stay present mm-hmm. with what is and uh, and being able to operate in that moment without having to control circumstances, uh, but bringing forward my personal passion and my personal desire in those moments and allowing what presents itself to be affirmation to or validation to or instructions on how to bring forward uh, what what it is that I'm authentically feeling inside or, or pulled to do, have a desire to have manifest, uh, feel inspired to move in a particular direction, and I allow those those forces to come together and collaborate. You you, you mentioned about me having uh, a lot of energy, even though I you know travel a lot and do yeah. a lot. I do four times as much as I used to do in my life, and I'm and I'm have more energy at the same time. And it is because I'm kind of borrowing energy from the universe. I'm kind of, mm. kind of collaborating with what is rather than trying to, to swim upstream or force things to happen the way I thought they were supposed to happen. There's a, a greater degree, degree of trust in the picture, and that allows that focus to, to maintain itself without quite so much energy being spent on that. So you, so you had your own learning process. It wasn't like you were born ready to do this, but you had to learn, um, like most people, that there's a different way. Oh, my gosh, Cheryl, if I could tell you the opposite end of the spectrum that I used to operate from, I was terrified, uh, terrified in my young life and, and pretty much sure that everything was working against me and that, that I was just needed to protect myself and find a way to survive. It was, it was nowhere near thrival. Uh, even though I was raised around concepts of holistic living and, and such, I still, I still personally had quite a hurdle to overcome and to transform into a different perspective in life by all means. I don't think anybody's ever had to wrestle harder with it than, than I did. Well, and, you know, what in your life got you to the point where you made the choice? You, know, you, made, you flipped to the other direction. Yes, you know, I think that it was it was a variety of things that were occurring. Like you say, someone will be handed a diagnosis and then all of a sudden they have the willpower, they have the ability to focus up and live a different lifestyle or have something change radically in their perception. And for me it was it was a little more insidious than that. It was a little more subtle. Um, but repeated relationships not working, having a tremendous success in my life, uh, having opened a practice and having standing room only in my reception area within the first year of my practice and, you know, building the house and having the cars and, and all the things that, that I wanted and not yet not feeling, you know, fulfilled, not really feeling that this is where, really what it's all about. And, and, and it was at the, at the ending of a relationship that I remember walking out my back door and looking up at the stars and saying, okay, you know, you show me because clearly I don't have the answers here. And, you know, just saying to the heavens, I'm, okay, I'm listening. And in, in that moment, there was an access from my head, from my intellect, from what I had learned was the smart thing to do, um, to dropping into my heart space, really, and saying, okay, clearly there's more out there than, than what I have intellectually, you know, uh, collected. And, and I started listening to what personally just felt better, felt good to me to do. And 
And before I knew it, people were showing up, books were showing up, opportunities were showing up to to delve into an entirely different realm of life, which included things like meditation and included things like uh, not just visualizing from a from a the mindset standpoint, but feeling <laughs> feeling what I really felt to do, even though it wasn't necessarily smart. It began to feel wise, but it wasn't necessarily intellectually what I would have queued up as the next intelligent move for me to make. And and as I began to do that, my life took turns that I thought for sure were were going to move away from abundance and move move away from uh, my familiar zone of being uh, fluid in life and, and things unfolding pretty easily, uh, it, it, it looked like I was going to kind of move in the opposite direction of that and, and end up on some mountaintop meditating or something like that. Right, right. Is what it, it doesn't pay me. the bills. Yeah. How am I gonna, <laughs> right. Am I going to be able to, to sustain this life that I'd created for myself? And, you know, much to my surprise, uh, by operating in, in, blending the two rather than leaving one for the other, but approaching it from a both-and standpoint rather than the either-or perspective that so much of our life is oriented on. We think that right. if we choose this, it rules out that. And really, that's not the way nature operates. It is, it is more comprehensive and, and it's, it's more inclusive. And, uh, and the more we begin to operate in this way, the more we begin to make decisions and have outcomes that are serving everyone. It isn't that one person wins and another person loses. It's that when we begin to make decisions from this place, we are drawn to and attracted to decisions and projects and choices that are inclusive and that have solutions for all and that we don't have to compromise our earth in order to profit. We don't have to compromise one relationship in order to cultivate you know, a bigger difference in the world and so forth. And so... When I began to do that, it it was amazing to me that both could coexist in mm-hmm. in my realm at the same time, and my my business began to grow in a quantum way instead of instead of having to work harder to accomplish more. It it was much to my uh, delight, but to my surprise that mm-hmm. that doing less, uh, but coming from a different place within myself, actually accomplished more and. I'm able to do, as I mentioned earlier, much more in a day's time or in a month's time or quarterly in a year, if you look back in that way, uh, than I've ever been able to do. And I have much more energy and an ability to to perceive possibilities because I'm not zeroed in on how I think it's supposed to look. I've really begun to cultivate a way of being that allows uh, more possibilities to be present on the table at the same time. Well, you talk about, I, I heard you, I've heard you speak about the, you know, getting to our real subconscious level, not just paying attention to the conscious level, the mind as you call it, um, is how, it, it's where we need to go to learn to master our internal experience, no matter what's going on outside of us, right? Yeah, right. And, you know, I, I know meditation is a big tool in this arena, and I also know that many people um, don't understand what meditation is and have a view of meditation very much like you described going up to the mountaintop and sitting right. there. 
um, and and have a hard time understanding how they could incorporate that into a daily routine without taking an hour to sit quietly. Yes, yes. And many of us don't think that we have an hour to sit quietly. Right. And, and, and many of us, therefore, don't. And, and it isn't necessary in order to cultivate this whole way of perceiving oneself and this way of operating that, I'm, you know, that we're just beginning to talk about here. It isn't necessary to, to carve out an hour of your day every day to ever, to ever be able to cultivate this, this experience or this perspective uh, of who we are and how we can be. It actually, I was just on a on a, a teleseminar not too long ago, just last week I think, and and we were talking about um, the that you can you can begin to cultivate this with 30 seconds at a time. You can if you have two minutes a day, 30 second increments. That's four 30 second increments in the course of the day. You can begin to build an awareness in your system that is very similar to what ultimately meditation would cultivate without having to just radically change your life and your routine. It is, it's a matter of what you're paying attention to. And if we can pay attention in a different way and teach ourselves to do that, we can do it while we're driving a car. We can do it while we're sitting in a meeting. We can do it while we're on the phone or while we're writing a document at the computer. It, it doesn't have to be a separate either-or experience. It's something that we can walk in our lives. It, Meditation ultimately is cultivating presence. It's cultivating our ability to be lucid and awake, but not be thinking so much, not be thinking. So if we can teach ourselves to just be present and be listening, and I, can, I could even offer you up some simple things that people could do uh, while they're sitting in their meeting or while they're writing their document that begin to generate the energy that I'm describing without having to to go to an ashram retreat for 10 days in a row to begin to have a sense of this. It doesn't have to be that way. Well, um, that would be great, and I okay. know our listeners want to know that, so why don't we hold that thought, and we'll take a break, and when we come back, we'll go right into that. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexasaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. If you lead a team of any kind, you need to listen to this show. Tune in to Leading with Emotional Intelligence, hosted by Esther Orioli. Esther provides you with the tools and techniques you need to harness the power of EQ to stop setting goals and start changing behaviors in your organization. Get the latest concepts in EQ from a top-of-the-house perspective and have your questions answered on air. Leading with Emotional Intelligence is broadcast live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. 
We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. Welcome back, everyone, to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito, and our guest today is Dr. Sue Mortar. So, Sue, just before we went to break, um, you were saying that you had some ways that people could begin to cultivate presence and, you know, learn how to really be lucid and awake but not thinking so much, and they wouldn't have to sit for an hour every morning in classic meditation. What are some of those ways? <laughs> well, there are many, and it's so fun to begin playing with this because you, it's kind of, you'll know, you'll know that you're doing it because you'll have this like little grin on your face or a twinkle in your eye because you're kind of in two places at once. And, and uh, people ask you, you know, what, what are you thinking about? Because you, you look so relaxed. And, mm. and it is simply because you're realizing, oh, my gosh, I used to just grind my mind all the time. I used to be thinking and predicting and analyzing and figuring out what the next strategic step needs to be in order to have the outcome that I'm looking for, only to realize that after we put days or weeks into such a strategy and the grinding of the mind, that somebody throws a wrench into the plan and it ends up going in an entirely different direction and we have to make another decision in the last moment and boom, it turns out okay after all. Well, that's the way of the universe. It's the way that energy moves in all of creation, including our workplace, including our home life, including our friendships and relationships, and, and even our plans for ourselves regarding our health and happiness and so forth. And, and so it's, it is just a matter of learning to, to not let the mind run away with me, not let the mind think it's the only driver there is a co-pilot, and, and the mind is actually the co-pilot. And what is actually piloting this life experience is, is a deep-rooted presence that we've been alluding to in this conversation. And any time that we can tap into that presence, at the same time that we have to be thinking, we will interrupt the, the habitual mind grind, those habits that we and there are addictions, actually, that we move into, thinking we have to know the answer before, before a time and, and so forth. And so interrupting that mind grind in ways of allowing a flow to come into the picture in that same moment are very, very effective in beginning to cultivate the same types of things that these hour-long meditations will cultivate, one of which is simply learning to breathe properly, learning to breathe consciously, will change one's life. And, and I mean that. I sincerely mean that. I have had patients over the past 25 years that didn't even live in the city that I live in, that lived, didn't even live in the country that I live in, and I would work with them over the phone by teaching them these things. And they have reported back to me how their health conditions have changed in addition to their life conditions and their lifestyle choices simply because they're learning to drop out of their heads and down into their bodies and allow more of them to come to the table, more of them to come to the conference meeting, more of them to come to the family outing than just the mental self. And so uh, a couple of things. One is, is breath work, and that is to learn to uh, breathe from low in the belly. If we take a deep breath in and our shoulders go up, we're not breathing the way that we're intended to be breathing. If right. we breathe in the, way, in the way that the shoulders go up, 
it is the same way of breathing as we breathe when a bear comes in the room. And that elicits <laughs> the emergency mode response. Okay. And it doesn't allow us to be in our creative capacity. If you picture uh, low in your abdomen, below the belly button, is this, is this chakra center, an energy center uh, called the wisdom center. And it's also our creative center. So our creative genius actually operates the combination of the head and the gut. When the head and the gut feelings come together, now we're talking wisdom. Now we're talking sustainable choice and decisions. So if we breathe low into the belly so that when we breathe in, our belly goes out like the big fat Buddha belly, okay, like like the kind of belly that most of our cultures tell us to suck in and don't let anybody see that, right? right? So for a moment, if you just breathe in and you pull, draw the belly out, it draws the oxygen down to the bottom of the lungs, which oxygenates it more easily because there's more blood flow down at the bottom of the lungs. And the part of the nervous system that is in charge of relaxing you after the bear is gone and causing you to move into your creative genius is also innervated uh, dramatically in the lower lobes of the lungs. And so when we breathe in that way, we're accessing more of our capacity than just our emergency mode response. That's why we, we take a deep breath when we're all stressed out. It happens automatically. Right. I'm saying let's have it happen intentionally and cultivate the, the, the more ingredients into this recipe on a regular basis so that we're more familiar there, more likely to stay there, when the stakes get higher, when the stress increases and so forth. So breathing well, so in this do way. People, do people need to do this like all day long or is this a practice where they can do this for a couple of minutes? Or If they practice it for a couple of minutes, they're going to feel so good, they're going to be attracted to breathing that way all day long. You can't overdo it if you are... Uh, so in other words, you, you, you can't OD on oxygen and you, can, you won't even hyperventilate. If you're breathing in and out through your nose <laughs> and you're breathing in and out... And the more rapidly you do it, the more intensely you will shift the nervous system's function. But you don't have to do it rapidly or intensely. You can just breathe low in your belly so that you're feeling your shoulders aren't moving when you're breathing. It's only your belly, right. low in the abdomen. Newborn babies breathe this way until they learn right. that you know, they're supposed to be running from bears too. They breathe this way naturally. We breathe this way naturally. It's a very healing and comprehensive breath. Also, if you envision... Um, the breath running all the way down through the whole body, not just happening in the lungs, but envision that, that you're drawing it from above your head and down through the body and out through the bottom of the feet, and then the next breath comes in through the bottom of the feet and up and out through the top of the head, and you just cycle it back and forth that way, you will be amazed at what happens in the physiology as this subconscious and autonomic or automatic nervous system gets plugged into your healing, relaxed, High performance, very lucid, but not stress, not mm. not uh, fight or flight mode of functioning. Right. And, and you know, Sue, this sounds really simple. Yeah, right. And, and my guess is most people say it can't be that simple. Right. Yeah, it's so simple the mind would never think of it. And, <laughs> and we do is, overcomplicate things, don't we? Right. The mind loves complexity, and it thinks that something has to be. Uh, more sophisticated and more complex than it can even comprehend in order for it to be an answer to its already sophisticated training. And, ah. and what's happening in our, in our society is that we're learning more and more about less and less, and we're becoming very 
mm-hmm. individuated and segmented and fragmented. And, and so, therefore, we end up on many, many different medications for many, many different types of problems, and we end up hiring more and more specialists for more and more details in our organizations. And you can see it across the board. The whole world has become this way, that we're, we're learning more and more about less and less, becoming more and more focused in a laser-like way, and it's okay and important that we do those things, but it is equally, if not more important, that we also maintain a view on the big picture, that we, that we keep the big picture in mind and that we, that we understand there is, there is a more comprehensive, holistic vision and version of life than any of that specialization can possibly represent. And if we can master both, now we are living the life that we're intended to be living in a masterful way. Uh, so much is available to us at the subconscious level, so simple the mind wouldn't think of it, and so much is driving us at the subconscious level. The, the issues that we have, Cheryl, that get in our way are rarely the reasons that we think we're blocked. Usually, by far, the reasons are, are other than what we would put our finger on. We're not upset for the reasons that we think we are. We're not stymied for the reasons that we would blame it is something different going on, and, and what we want to do is access uh, the subconscious. We want to access the parts of us that are really locked up that are keeping us from being able to move into our creative uh, capacity to its fullest. And something as simple as this begins to open that doorway. Something as simple as this allows our mind to interrupt grinding in a particular way Breathing in this way while we're engaging in other activities alone will be enough to begin to shift some things. I mean, mm-hmm. it, is, it is, of course, the tip of the tip of the iceberg. There right. is so much more, but difficult to, to share all of that in, in an instant. I do have some other uh, small techniques that an individual can experience uh, themselves shifting the, the nervous system function uh, very quickly and very easily if, if we have some time, uh, yeah. Why don't you give us give us a couple more examples? Okay. Uh, there is another thing that came to mind while we were speaking. Uh, one is when we find ourselves uh, grinding on things, analyzing, predicting, you know, doing all the thinking that we need to be doing in the course of a day, and strategizing. It what we will notice if we begin to pay attention is that energy gets locked up in our neck, in our shoulders, mm. in our heads. We get headaches. We have tension. You can see it on someone's face. Sure. You can see it in their posture. And it's a very evident outpicturing that, that there is excess energy being held in this upper region. And they're not utilizing the grounding capacity that they have. And that always shows up at the end of a project when they exhale and fall back in the chair and say, Oh, God, you know, well done, finally, we're complete on this. And if they would have gone to that same physiological state at the onset of the project, they would not have experienced the project as stressful in the first place. If they are cultivating the physiology of the relief of the completion and the success and the victory of the project, if they were maintaining that physiology from the beginning and the onset and through the duration of the project, they would notice that they were operating very differently throughout and add years to their life and life to their years both um, in that it allows the vital force of the body and the, and the company and the family and the relationship to remain uh, integrated rather than being segmented, 
segmented or fragmented or segmentalized or compartmentalized in the ways that they do when we spend too much time in our heads. And so if, if someone could just, when they notice all that tension and, and they, all the energy around them is up in their head area and even up off the surface of the skin, people could notice that, wow, they're just, they're just zinging and ringing and singing up in, those, in their upper body in that way and just collapse it all, just, just imagine that they're collapsing all that held energy and dropping it straight down through their body and just dropping it into the earth. So, you know, we oftentimes say, just drop it. And, and we visualize dropping something like you would, you would drop a, a, a book or a box or a cup that you were holding, just dropping it off to the side. And, I, and I'm just saying, just take that little saying that we work with and drop it down through our core. Just drop it down through the body. Because what happens energetically is the nervous system interrupts. Again, it's another way of interrupting the cycles that we get stuck in where we're just like a broken record doing the same things that we did last year and the same things that we did five years ago. We've just gotten a more sophisticated language around it or a, a more complicated strategy around it, but it's really still the same chessboard that we're playing with. And you know, my encouragement to people is to get them off of that linear physics, linear physical world perspective and, and allow the quantum reality to work to our advantage, allow the energies that are unseen, that are working behind the scenes for us all the time to come into the picture on an intentional level and make a bigger difference more easily in the outcomes of our, of our life experience. And so collapsing all that energy that's being held in your neck and in your head and in your shoulders and just letting it fall down through the body, what begins to happen is, is the rest of the body comes into the awareness and it comes into the picture. And... Uh, for purposes of our time frame here of discussing that, I would just say that nothing will ground your new ideas faster. Nothing will allow them to manifest more easily and more gracefully than if all of you is in the picture, not just your head. Mm. The head has a tremendous, the, the mind and the brain have a tremendous capacity to focus in on new ideas and innovations and so forth. But what actually... Uh, carries that out is what happens in the physical world. And so if we can kind of breathe that new idea into our whole body, uh, the ways that it will be implemented and the how-to will come to us much more easily and much more naturally. And it, it, it happens in the area of healing. It happens in the area of innovation in the workplace. just the same. There's only one thing happening here, and we're either utilizing it to our advantage or we're not. And so right. some of these simple ideas are just ways to, to allow ourselves to get in touch with that. Now, there well, are that makes things. sense. Yeah. You know, I, I can imagine someone actually sitting at their desk and being able to do this, you know, you actually taking a couple of minutes and, um, you know, before they go into a meeting or before they um, begin a project and, and doing a check-in with themselves, you know, how am I about this right now and noticing Am I stressed? Am I holding my body tight? You know, am I, are my shoulders under my ears? You know, right? Um, right? And, right. and if, if we do that, then we can just as easily say, oh, okay, well, I actually have a choice. I right. can let go of this, and this is a very clear, tangible way to let go of this. This is great. And it's not just about 
letting go and then 10 minutes later having to let go again and then 10 minutes later letting go again, although at the beginning it may feel that way, when we breathe in this way and also drop this down through the body, you will feel so much more familiarity because it resonates with the deepest truth of who you are and who you were before you were in this position to have to be making all these decisions and having to do all this stuff. It's the real you, the one that's underneath the career and underneath the the relationship and underneath the children and underneath all of it. The the just the you. And and when we when we taste that again, it is it is something that we are drawn electromagnetically, physically. It's an it's a reality. We are drawn to reconnect to that and to operate from that place. So it isn't something we have to remember to do. Once we begin doing it, it becomes a preferred operating system. And in the in the system, the subconscious wouldn't allow things to pull you up out of that state quite so easily the next day, and then the next day, and then the next day, until pretty soon you're coming into situations in this full-body-oriented, breathing, grounded, anchored kind of way, and people would deliver news that previously would have derailed you. You find it just adventurous, realizing that this is part of what is is going to reveal to me my ability to stay present no matter what. And it begins to build little trophies and little victories in our life experience rather than thinking, oh, God, what next? You know, we're like, oh, what next? Cool, bring it on. (laughs) (laughs) Because we feel like we have the capacity. Yes, it it broadens the river. Yeah, yeah, makes a lot of sense. You know, I have um, read a little bit about your perspective on how our society is making shifts and how um, human beings need to develop certain capacities in order to be prepared for some of these shifts. And um, you talk about it in terms of the individual and in terms of organizations and how to sustain well-being for each. And you call this the era of authenticity. We have to go to break, but when we come back, I would really like you to speak to this concept of the era of authenticity and why it matters to all of us. Find out which guests are being featured this week. Read our network press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts. Go to iradioblog.com today. Powered by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. Do you want to know what's really going on these days? 
Well, Capital Thinking takes you inside the worlds of policy, politics, law, and business. What happens in Washington, on Wall Street, and in our nation's legal system impacts your business every day. We're taking you on a behind-the-scenes tour of all of it. Each week, we bring you unfiltered conversation with a variety of influential policymakers, lawyers, and business leaders. I'm Kevin O'Neill, and I'm your host as Capital Thinking tours the halls of power. Join me for Capital Thinking on the Voice America Business Network each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time. Income Property Investment Talk with Peter L. Mosca provides those of you eager to invest well in real estate with the knowledge, resources, and tools necessary to generate significant wealth. Our focus is to help you maximize your real estate investment dollars. Listen live to the brightest minds in investment real estate every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. That's Income Property Investment Talk with Peter L. Mosca, where America learns to invest. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. Welcome back to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito, and we're speaking with Dr. Sue Mortar today. So, Sue, let's talk about this era of authenticity. What do you mean by this? So it is so obvious, and if we look back over the last decade, the variety of things that have been outed and ousted and have collapsed, uh, whether it's socially or some of the major religions that have been revealed that certain aspects of the people were not behaving uh, properly with our young ones or economic issues that have obviously collapsed and created uh, some problems with the economy that are undeniable, uh, whether it is organizational stresses in, in the fact that we've had to make um, adjustments, to say the least, uh, regarding all of the things that, that we're discussing. And all of it is, is in my opinion, a, a, uh, an outpicturing of what has to happen on every level of our world, and that is we must get back in touch with what is true. And if greed or if, if uh, any kind of covert behavior has been in place for purposes of one winning and others losing or someone taking advantage of someone else in order to get ahead or whatever the case may be, um, it is a way of being that, that is not sustainable, obviously, and it is not really what is in the highest good or alignment for humanity. And so the era of authenticity is something that I coined when engaging in these conversations and, and, and realizing that, that what appears to be happening is the truth is, is revealing itself. The truth is always revealing. And so when I work with groups uh, and, and in, in organizations or on teams or whatever the case may be, it is always a focus to delve into what is the highest good, 
what is the intention and what is the highest good? What is the outcome we're looking for? And what is the win-win way to approach this? Because any other way uh, ultimately is not sustainable. Anything else that we do that compromises one thing in order to elevate another is ultimately not um, sustainable. It is not what nature has in in mind for for humanity. It's not the natural unfoldment for us in our in our highest victorious state, if you will. It it must include this this authentic way of being. When when someone speaks their truth into a situation, even though it may risk something uh, in on the team or in the organization, it is imperative that we do so uh, anyway. And, and, and I draw that from some, from indigenous cultures. There are many studies about indigenous cultures and how they work together in harmony and uh, for the highest good for the entire tribe. And one of the things that they that they insist upon is that that original medicine is brought forward constantly. And what they mean by that is that you speak your truth and that by speaking your truth into the tribe, then the whole tribe benefits from the wisdom. If someone knows something and withholds it from the picture, then what begins to happen is the whole team is compromised. And and even though uh, th- there are apparent risks in doing so, uh, in the trainings that I work with people in, we find ways to come about to this and allow it to be revealed what it is that someone is sensing or feeling about the highest good and the vision of the organization or the team and allowing the space for that to happen, knowing that ultimately only the highest good can be done. Now, it takes a full team effort in that way. It takes a full group of people agreeing that this is the way that we are to approach this, whether it's right. the executive team or what have you, to guide and direct uh, this way of being. But in the in the cases where we've had the opportunity to delve in in that way, we're we're meeting with tremendous success. And and uh, I did this in my own organization over the past five year period. And in the within the first two years, uh, we quadrupled our incomes just just because we were we were working with a a bigger mindset. We were working with the cultivated, the unified uh, uh, mindset from a tribal perspective, uh, as we were describing, everyone bringing their original medicine to the tribe and no one withholding any part of the wisdom that they, that they held. So it's a different way of thinking than many groups or organizations take on, but it is something that, that we're seeing much more of in the innovative uh, aspects of, of each of the industries that, that uh, we've worked with. You know, I, it makes me think um, of a whole lot of team building that went on, you know, 15, 20 years ago where teams would get together in a room and then there would be some, some exercise that would provoke truth-telling and um, it didn't always go so well. And it made a lot of um, people in corporations a little shy about doing this and, um, you know, and what I see sometimes in organizations, large and small, is that um, there does feel like there's huge risk. People do have that sense that it's a bit too risky to speak up or to speak the truth, even if everybody in the room 
knows the truth, mm. but it it's not risk is too risky to say it out loud. Um, how do you help people get through that? Yes, well, it one of the things that I've found the most effective is that we of course have to be a leader that is willing to allow a team to move in this way, which which comes only from our own confidence which comes from building evidence at our own subconscious level that it is safe, which comes mostly from experiencing it ourselves. We, if we are not in this operating system of our own, uh, it is really tough to trust the outcomes right. or trust that we're going to know how to handle that when all truth breaks loose. <laughs> right. And, right. and if yeah. we don't have experience in that department, it's pretty tough to do that. So right. I recommend that as leaders, we begin practicing this on our own personal level, long before we engage this in, in any kind of forum in that way. Mm-hmm. And when I say long before, I mean just beginning to make decisions from our own gut feeling, beginning to, make, to take some risks within our own way of decision-making processes. And, and even though we know that the smart thing to do might be this, if we've learned how to cultivate our gut feeling and listen to it and hear it, um, and make decisions, if we are then willing to make decisions that include that in them, and then we see that they do have good outcomes, it begins to build evidence in our own subconscious as leaders that it is safe to begin to operate in this way. You know, in the 30 years that I've been working with with people in the healthcare industry, I can say that I've never heard someone say they had a gut feeling and they went with it and they trusted it and they went with it and, boy, did they regret it. But what yeah. I've heard thousands and thousands of times is, oh, I had a gut feeling on that. I knew it, but I overrode it because I didn't want yeah. to be the one to make waves or rock the boat. Uh, and so I overrode it and didn't go with it, and boy, do I regret it. And so, so what I'm really interested in teaching the leaders is to get in touch with their gut feeling even more than they already are. And mm-hmm. there are ways, and I've built support materials for people to get to know that and to you know, just plug in a DVD and listen and watch and learn how to do things that can cultivate that awareness in our own gut feeling and our own truth. And when we cultivate that to the degree that I am speaking of and that in, the, in the question that you've asked here, uh, it allows us to trust more so that when the truth-telling, even when the, the elephant in the room is, is not being spoken to, even though everyone knows it's standing there, uh, to, to be the one that that demonstrates the grace in which we can begin to address these things and, and build evidence that it is safe to do so. And there is an approach one step at a time. It's, it's, it's not just like having a conversation about the value of truth over the course of an afternoon and then right. turning everybody loose to let it rip and then try right. to figure out what to do with that. It's, it's, uh, there's a more graceful way to approach it, and it's a, it's a rebuilding of, of our culture that needs to happen. Well, you know, with all the change going on <clears throat> in the world, in the organizations, with the fast pace that's happening, um, you know, you talk about the well-being of organizations, and my guess is this is only one element of that. Yes, absolutely. It is, it is the first and foremost is to develop this level of consciousness around the whole thing and begin to practice it ourselves and begin then to show others how to do that. As, as quantum science shows us, the most powerful leadership that we can ever uh, present is, is a way of being, is, is to model it. And, 
and we know how to model behaviors because it's outpictured very easily. You go and you do this, and in this situation you do that. And what we haven't been trained to do is to model energetically, model how the energy flows through our system and how we make decisions based upon a deeper truth within us. And so you know, that's the work that I do in the world, is to, is to get people in touch with how in the world to do that and to model that and to build teams and realities uh, along those lines. And there are, there are, of course, many facets to any group of people or any organization that comes together, whether it's in business or in family, and there are many dynamics to it. But what we're speaking about in this moment is foundational. It is what is underneath every other strategy everyone's ever picked up and tried to learn. Right. Well, and I know both of us in our work have seen organizations where they have fantastic strategies that just fall completely flat and, um, you know, no one can understand why. It seemed like the best approach um, globally, and it just didn't work. And then when you speak with the senior team or others in the organization, it seems like they are so disconnected from each other and even from that strategy, you know, why it matters. Yes, the silo, the compartmentalization, it is. Uh, it is what has to change, and it, it changes not only from the physical actions that we take, but from the subtle energetic dispositions that we begin to assume differently than we used to. And it's just a matter of learning how to do that. It's quite possible. It's so again, it's so natural, the mind would never think of it. It's so simple, it eludes us, and 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 that is the missing ingredient that just needs to be cultivated again. Well, you know, Sue, we only have a couple minutes left, and um, this is fascinating, and I I believe that um, the world and many, many people in the world are so ready for this type of transformation in themselves. And, you know, you actually offer um, several ways to learn these things. One of them is um, a seminar called Intentional Living. Take a few seconds to tell us about that. It is actually a how-to process. It walks people through how to get in touch with this subtle energy that we're referring to that then ultimately will outpicture in their relationship with themselves and their health, their relationships with others, their family, their intimate relationship and then the further ripple out from there, their relationships with their organizations or coworkers or employees or however it works, and then outpicturing as well in the community and making uh, community differences and creating projects from this very comprehensive, integrated, holistic uh, understanding of who we are from an experiential level. So we go through a, a multitude of experiential uh, exercises that put people into the, the cellular realm, like it's the visceral experience of what, it, what we're intellectually describing, and that's when it comes home for people. It, it becomes a reality when we experience ourselves implementing the concepts, not just learning about them and taking notes. You know, that's, that's what's got to go. Right, right, so, right, embodying the principles. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. and I know people are going to want to know more about this. How can people learn more? Coming to the website is probably the fastest way to see a variety of things, and that is um, www.morterinstitute, M-O-R-T-E-R, 
www.thepeaceinstitute.com. And uh, there are a variety of ways to plug into different seminars. We're headed to Bali in June uh, for a very deep immersion into this, uh, which is quite fun. I'm looking forward to that with oh, uh, great passion. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and we do a variety of things around the country as well. So, so it is, uh, it's, it's easy to implement. Um, the website, integrate in, in there, plug in. There are uh, a variety of DVDs and CDs that people can listen to to begin to wrap their minds around it. Something that, given right. our conversation, I would highly recommend that people do is um, something that's called Body Awake One, and it teaches people a technique to remove the subconscious interferences from past experiences that may be keeping us from moving forward in a decision or moving forward in a career or making a decision in a relationship or whatever you ha- what, whatever the case may be, what, whatever's up for you at this time, uh, that we don't have the ability to go into in our discussion in this time frame, but mm-hmm. a tremendous resource for, for a self-administered, self-healing technique that people have been using around the world and I get feedback right. on every day about right. uh, the outcomes there. Wonderful. Dr. Sue Mortar, it's been great having you here today, bridging science, spirit, and human possibility. We will have to have you back again so we can talk more. I'll come and play. (laughs) All right. All right. So remember, everyone, to think big because the world could be a better place because of a conversation that matters. This is Cheryl Esposito. Thank you for spending this hour with Cheryl Esposito and Leading Conversations. You can listen live every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you have a question or comment for Cheryl, please email her at leadingconversations at alexaconsulting.com. That's L-E-A-D-I-N-G-C-O-N-V-E-R-S-A-T-I-O-N-S at A-L-E-X-S-A-C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G.com. See you next week.